Hello, you beautiful being of light. Thank you so much for being here and for tuning in. My name is Jessica Mazzo. Welcome to the Magical Soul Healing Podcast. I am here for you. I am here to hold space. I am here to reflect love. I am here to reflect your worth to you. I'm here to also offer tools and resources so that you can navigate life on earth. As we journey and harmonize together, inhale and exhale. Trust that you are exactly where you are meant to be. Hey, hi, hello, it's your girl, Jessica Mazzo, a.k.a. Jess the Empress. If you saw the title of today's episode, I hope you are as excited as I am. I had some really fun things come about before I actually recorded this episode, and everything worked out perfectly. So today we're going to get into kinks, fetishes, and spirituality. I have a lot to say about this. There are also things that other people are saying that I'm going to include in this episode. I'm excited about this topic because one of the things that I work with, with my clients, primarily female clients, is liberating sexual shame. And in that liberation is the awareness of exploration. And I love this because exploring our ideas our desires, our feelings, our sensations can move us into the world of kink and fetish. And I do see people sitting in this place of like, I can't do that. I shouldn't like this. I shouldn't even think about it. I shouldn't explore it. And I say, well, why? Like, I'm curious why you think you cannot or should not. And a lot of it has to do with very old school frameworks. Um, And we're going to get into that as well. Like, where some of that shaming has come from we trace it way 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 back but I honestly think that as long as people have been around there has been some introduction of shaming and mm, yeah stigmatizing fetishes so if you look in the podcast notes for this episode there's a lot of different resources as well And I'm really, really glad that I was able to get these things for y'all because I just feel like it's important. I really do. One of the articles is Fetish and Kink 101. Um, Part of where some of the shame comes from is included in an article. It's the Implicit Puritanism in America Moral Cognition. This is an important thing. Um, We also have another one linking to the feelings and shame around it, which is a creative de- destruction, excuse me, a creative destruction approach to replication, implicit work, and sex morality across cultures. Then we have psychological characteristics of BDSM practitioners. The data found in that article is very interesting. I'll get into that as well. I then included a link for 25 movies about kinky, compulsive, fetish, and taboo sex, which I think is great. Um, do not open any of these links at work. You will be flagged, <laughs> like just a heads up. Then we have an article about healing from sexual trauma through kink, 
which is fascinating. I also have an article about how to spot a fake dom. This is important. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. And then a place for you to buy toys and fetish things is the Horny Stoner. Um, I love the chick who runs the Horny Stoner. She's amazing. And I think it's a, a really great website. I think it's great to support small businesses, women-owned businesses. Um, yeah, so it's great. All right. All right. Yay, I'm so excited. Okay, so first two things I wanted to talk about. Consent is necessary, and obviously you, the person needs to be of legal age that you are playing with and engaging with, okay? So if this person is not of legal age and if they are not consenting, don't fucking do it. Like, bottom line, there's no way around that. Um, that is an important thing that I need to say. And now that I've said it, we can get into the rest of the episode. So I'm going to give you some of the more classic definitions of a kink. I looked it up and it's from Wikipedia. So what is a kink? In human sexuality, kinkiness is the use of non-conventional sexual practices, concepts, or fantasies. The term derives from the idea of a bend in one's sexual behavior. To contrast such a behavior with straight or vanilla sexual morals and proclivities. I think this is so fascinating, like this, (laughs) the explanation of a kink is so interesting to me because like, I I guess vanilla sex would be missionary and doggy style. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know at what point it becomes, I I really don't know at what point kink becomes like, like your preferred, (laughs) your preferred like, uh postures or whatever, you know, become like a kink. And this is important to think about because kink can actually be different for everybody. It's a, it's a, it's about exploring what works and what you want, you know, what works for you and what you want. So what is a fetish? What's a kink? And what is the difference? So this information comes from the articles that are listed. So make sure you click on those and give those a read for deeper insight. So by definition, a fetish is a sexual, a sex. Wow. I'm going to take a sip of my espresso and try again. (laughs) By definition, a fetish is a sexual attraction to a body part, object, or activity. While a kink is the use of non-standard sexual practices. And pretty simple. So in this explanation, they talk a little bit about like what vanilla and normal sex is. Um, And they also say that all fetishes are kinks, but not all kinks are fetishes. Someone who has a fetish for choking or maybe feet need that as part of their sexual interaction in order to achieve gratification. Whereas somebody who has a kink for spanking doesn't always need that to be part of their sexual interaction in order to reach gratification. And that distinguishing definition may help you understand whether or not you lean more towards the kink side or the fetish side. And also how to engage with your partner if you're realizing that you have a greater need for something. Um, I think it's really important that we 
we begin exploring with ourselves first and then from that place we can invite other people in. Now, that's just my perspective. There might be a person in your life who actually is like more of the open one, I guess, in in sex and um, fetishes and kinks and maybe they're inviting you in and you've got to kind of like let go of some of your own shame and stigma and um, fear, fear around exploring like with your partner. So I guess it could go both ways. Maybe I'll take back what I said. It doesn't have to start with just you first. Um, at some point though, you will need to do internal work and understanding what biases and stigmas and um, shame that you hold as an individual around this. So another thing that they talk about is that there's an automatic association that means if you like a kink and fetish, you have some type of problem, that you have trauma. And this is not always true. Not all fetishes and kinks come from trauma. I'm going to go further in that. Um, But that's just not true. Is it possible that some people have had trauma, sexual trauma, that has manifested into a kink? Yeah, totally. But that's not always the case. So we, as people, need to be mindful, again, of our biases and automatic associations when it comes to somebody expressing their kinks and fetishes. It doesn't mean that there's something spiritually wrong with them or that they have no morals or ethics. Like, not at all. It doesn't mean that they have mental and emotional problems either. Uh, Oftentimes we make that to be true, but it's not. It's definitely not true. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, just think about that. Take a moment to think about that. So part of where the shame comes in is the good old Church of England from the 16th century, um, (laughs) where there was the Puritanism and Protestant movement. Um, There was a lot of, just like it sounds, the purifying of people and upgrading morals and ethics and a lot of sex. It's not that sex was discouraged because they obviously understood that it was necessary to have sex to procreate, so they didn't. The Puritans and the Protestants didn't shame sex for procreation, but sex for leisure pleasure was totally out of the framework, Um, which is like, what the fuck? And I feel like a lot of that is still a part of our everyday life here in America. I'm an American. I can specifically speak about America. And it's very interesting because religion is scattered all through every state in America. Religion is scattered. And the foundational aspects of being a good person, being pure, being holy, being, um, you know, not wanting to be sinful. Um, and that's connect, and that connection to sex, or those connections to sex, it's usually like abstinence or you're sinning. You know, don't have sex before you're married. Um, if you do have sex before you're married, you need to make sure you're like telling your priest about it or you're confessing to God whenever your relationship is with the Holy Spirit and shit. Like there's just so many branches of religion, but a lot of them basically shame sex and they make it seem like it's not 
they almost make sex seem like it's not a healthy thing to engage in. It's like something that a husband and wife do, you know, when they love each other. And even that has a problem because it's heterosexual. <laughs> like, what the fuck? So a lot of issues with that, but we know that religion is baked into the foundation of, you know, America's principles and morals and ethics and shit. Um, but it's – so it's not surprising. It's not surprising today, right, that we – have a hard time talking about kinks and fetishes and spirituality in in one single setting. In fact, when I was doing a lot of research for this episode, I didn't find a lot of people talking about it. There are some people talking about it, but because kinks and fetishes are taboo, I find a lot of times it's even more taboo in a spiritual setting because, again, people think, I shouldn't talk about this, like it's too much, or... I shouldn't want this or I'm going to be judged and they feel maybe unsafe. Um, I want to just let all that go. I want, I want, my greatest desire is to have y'all feeling safe about what you want and exploring it um, and talking about it. So it's a really, yeah, it's really important to me to destigmatize, destigmatize kink because more people being open to their pleasure is exactly that. It's more people being open to their pleasure. And it's my belief that we are here to be enjoying ourselves as much as possible. I mean, life has a oh, an array of ups and downs and hard times. Um, so if you could have a good time solo um, and with other people, I say, you know, do it. Like, go for it. So exploring kinks can lead to healing. In a class that I took, which was Altered States Spirituality and Trauma in Kink, there was a woman who ran this. Um, her name is Karatia. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Shout out to Laura for getting me into that class. I appreciate you, girl. But she talks about the exploration of kink. And in her workshop, she asked everybody to personally define what does kink mean to you, what does spirituality mean to you, and what does healing mean to you, and also what do altered states of consciousness mean to you. I'm not going to get into the altered states of consciousness because that's not what I'm here to do, kinks, fetishes, and spirituality. So... The way that she invited everybody to consider those things, I'm going to do the same for you. What does spirituality mean to you? And it, in the class, came up as a different thing for everyone. So I love this. If anything, that's, that's exactly what spirituality represents to me, is the individual expression of your life. Of all of it, of your unique thoughts, of your unique feelings, of the combination of those at the same time, where you are, exactly as you are, and your expression of that, to me, is spiritual. And that just was so beautifully represented in that class. But what does spirituality mean from you and, and, uh, or for you? And one of the things that we did touch on, and I was happy to touch on it, was the separation of religion and spirituality. They are two different things. Um, and one of the things that Karita specifically said was that spirit is also about attention, intention, and presence. And I love that. Um, 
I think that's so important to be intentional and to be present. And I think that's really beautiful. And that's what we can bring into a space with ourselves and into a space with another person is a deeper intention and a deeper level of presence. And I think that's really cool. Um, So kink isn't only sexual. This is another thing, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about, well, what is kink and fetish to me? What does that mean to me? There are asexual people in the world. And I have talked about this on multiple podcasts. Not everybody is here to have sex, okay? Not everybody's here to enjoy intercourse. I cannot relate on a personal level, but that's okay. I know that when I speak, I want to do my best to be as inclusive as possible. And I just, I know that there's a lot of people out here that, that are asexual, but that doesn't mean that you can't be into kink. It just doesn't because there can be a lot of other things that happen in kink with physical pressure, with sensation, with touch. We're all going to go down the rabbit hole together, but you can understand how it doesn't have to lead to a sexual climax or a sexual experience in the way that we talk about intercourse. Um, The other thing that we defined in this class was about trauma. And I know I've talked about this before. Trauma is different for everybody, and I feel like that's very important to be mindful of as well. And that when we think about healing our trauma with kink and fetish, what does healing mean? Um, In my opinion, any form of healing isn't meant to to erase the pain. In, In my perspective and in my experience... Some of these memories and imprints are always going to be with us. Sometimes the pain will lessen over the lifetime that we live, and sometimes it won't. And nothing is right or wrong about that. It is. I cannot ever put pressure on myself or another person and demand that you fully heal yourself and never have any problems again and erase the bad memories. I mean, that to me has always been such a lofty goal and it feels it doesn't feel right like it just it takes us out of our humanity and I think it's a very it's like bypassing um because we are uh, we can live with deep pain we can live with trauma and we can be healing and we can have less connection to the original wound Um, But it doesn't mean that we won't ache (laughs) from time to time. I think about, like, if you've ever had, like, a pretty bad injury. Um, And people talk about this, like, when the weather is cold and rainy, you know, the bones ache around that injury or the muscles are still sore. And it could be 20-plus years down the road. And I, I think about that. I think our heart will ache. I think our minds will ache. I think we will still have pain. It's not all day, every day. Hopefully, hopefully we do move away from chronic, um, staying in the wound, you know, chronically. But 
at the same time, to say that it won't ever hurt again or that, you know, through kink and fetish we'll be healed and we'll never have any of these problems, I think is just too high of an expectation. So get clear on what healing means to you. Uh, Everybody went around the room and talked about that, and I thought that was really cool. Again, there were many different types of definitions for, for what healing means. But a safe space where you are seen and supported is really, really important. Another uh, class that I attended was an interview with a professional dom, and I thought it was an amazing class. I was so, so grateful. Also, another gratitude shout out to Laura (laughs) for getting me into that one too. Um, And she talked about healing with sex and (sighs) with kink, and um, it's very interesting because from a her professional experience, you know, she obviously checks in with her clients and like what you have to do during any type of session with anybody is to have clear communication and boundary set before you start anything. And this is why I think knowing yourself is important, but this is also why I think letting people know how to support you is important. Because sometimes we might get triggered And we might not understand what's happening or why. So we need our partner, our person, to be able to respond to us, to help us if we're having a little bit of a breakdown or or a big breakdown. So having a safe word, being able to stop the session, um, being able to tend to the need in the moment is a huge, huge piece of healing. Because... See, you being able to say no, you being able to say stop, <laughs> I think personally is, is taking back your power because there are a lot of times when, you know, we were traumatized. We couldn't say stop. Not even in a sexual context. It's like shit happened and there was nothing we could do. We, we were victims to the circumstance. That is what trauma is on some level. And so being able to speak up for yourself, being able to have a person open up a safe space where, again, you can be seen and supported is a really beautiful experience. And I want to reiterate that not all kinks and fetishes are trauma-based. And likewise, not all kinks and fetishes are meant to be healed in the sexual space as well. So don't, don't feel like you need to bring you know, everything into the bedroom. Certainly, it's a, it's a great way to reconnect with your body, to be present, to let go of overthinking. Um, But you don't need to force a, a healing thing to happen. I find a lot of times it happens on its own. You can set the intention and remain detached from expectation. And let everything just sort of be what it is. <laughs> um, and I hope that I hope that was really clear about that. Um, so... When you are in a kink and fetish session with a person, it's really important to check in, as I mentioned, and set the rules and guidelines ahead of time. What is it that you want? What is it that you don't want? Um, Using words that you like and that you don't like. You need to make sure that the person is consenting, so you want to get that consent loud and clear. For my neurodivergent (laughs) friends, one thing that might be helpful for you in a kink fetish session is to make sure that your person 
gives you is asking you yes or no questions because if you're really overstimulated it might be really hard for you to describe what you're feeling and how you feel and you might need a little bit of a different way of being approached in your session um or with your you know your sexy time with your partner or whatever um so be clear about how you want to be interacted with as well um what type of pressure is okay, what's too much, what's not enough, you know, um, just basically like what you like and what you don't like, it needs to be talked to or about, it needs to be talked about ad nauseum. Um, I think everybody has different expectations about what they want, so if you want to be on drugs, if you want your partner to be on drugs, like that's dope as long as you, that wasn't even, I didn't mean that as like a joke. It's cool. It could be dope. You could be on dope, whatever. But my point is, as long as you know somebody's on something, that's really important. And then make sure that everybody is in a good mood or if they're maybe a little bit grumpy or they're angry or whatever that they clarify that with you. So that way, again, you know what you're walking into and maybe you need to tell your partner, I'm fucking grumpy today, I'm angry today, I just need to get dick down, so let's go, like whatever. <laughs> um, but again, transparency is key. Um, and I feel like curiosity is the biggest thing. Um, getting, getting open-minded about what you want and how you want it, right? And then ask your partner, what do you want? How do you want it, right? Do you want it fast, slow? Do you want it like hard, soft, or, you know, cold, hot? Like, what is it that you want? How can I, how can I please? How can I satisfy? How can I, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, get, get your partner into a specific space. And kink and fetish are psychological typically. Yes, they're sexual, but they are also psychological. You're putting somebody in a psychological state of mind. And I feel like that's really important. And for the majority of people, what, or what opens us up to a safe space of mind is having good conversation and clear conversation where all of the T's have been crossed and the I's have been dotted. And that's great, right? This is so important. We need to make sure we have that ability to advocate for ourselves and that people know what we're looking for. So another thing that people say, kind of along the same framework as if you have a kink or fetish, you're, you have some type of problem, um, that you cannot be close with a person if you in, are involved in kink and fetish. I don't believe that to be true. There's actually evidence that shows otherwise, but that is a stigma that I wanted to destigmatize here on this episode. Um, because people think, okay, that's just for like, you go to a professional dom, you know, for that. You don't have a level of like emotional closeness or connection with the person um, that you have kink and fetish with. And in a study of 58 participants, it showed that consensual BDSM play actually creates changes in hormones that brought all the parties closer together. And I think it's because... Not only does the research show this, but it, in, in my personal experience, there's a higher level of trust. You can hop into bed and fuck anybody. You know what I mean? And does that require a level of trust? 
sure. However, I find that when you bring a person in to your kink and fetish world and vice versa, there is a deeper level of vulnerability and trust that is established and that, or that has to be established and that is then gained between the two of you or three of you or five of you or whatever. But my point is, is that it makes sense to me that hormones are changing. All parties feel closer together because again, it's something that you're kind of pulling back the curtain and letting somebody see more of you and you're and you're hoping <laughs> that it's gonna, it's not going to be judged again that you will be seen and heard and supported and that's really beautiful um you know sex and sensual expression and sexual expression these are all somatic experiences as well so not only do they put us in a mental framework or mental headspace but they put us in a body space as well and it can really help us take out our our stress we can remove stress from our body we can have pleasure and gratification and become intimately connected with ourselves and i think that's such a beautiful thing and then of course with other people so when we are exploring these parts of ourselves what are the things that we say if we're like, oh, you know, I might want to act like kind of bratty. That's one of my personal <laughs> kinks. I like to be bratty. Um, and you might say like, oh, I can't do that. You know, that's weird. I'm not a brat. I'm blow it away. And you have like all these like things that like, you know, come up to your mind. Um like there, there's a variety of levels. Everything is on a spectrum when it comes to kinks and fetishes. So there's like this classic um, daddy dom, baby brat style that you might see online if you did research. But you don't have to go to the same boundaries that's prescribed as somebody else online. I don't. I definitely don't. I like to be sassy. I think being bratty is a way to be very playful. I love being playful. It's one of my favorite elements in the bedroom. And so I also like to push buttons because it's just fucking funny. Now, my partner is going to understand that because I've already had a conversation with my partner. They get it. They get that if I'm being bratty, it's because I want them to respond in a certain way. And they're giving me a level of attention that I want in a way that I want it. Everybody's happy, right? And so it's cute. It's fun. It's playful. It's sexy. It's instantly gratifying and sometimes frustrating and cute. Like if I don't get what I want, which is the response, <laughs> it's fun. And so it just adds another like edge and element to to sex for me on a person on a personal level. But again, what could that mean for you? If you find yourself being like, oh, I kind of want to be like more of the baby or baby girl. I want to be taken care of. I want to be submissive. Or you don't. You want to be more domineering. Not a problem. You want to exert your authority. And you want to say, hey, I want you to do this for me. Go for it. Get clear on what you want, what you need, and ask your partner. Do you want to role play? Do you want to do this with me? How can we do this together? And it might feel a little bit weird. Um, I'm also... So for those of you who are in relationships and... If this is a new thing 
for you that you are exploring and you're in like, you know, a, a long-term relationship or whatever, and y'all have just been doing it the same way for a while, it might feel a little bit awkward. Um, one of the things that I do in my relationships, I kind of start off on that note. Now, I don't make, make the person perform in the bedroom. Obviously, I couldn't make anybody perform, but... I start in, there's some former conversation we have before we're ever in bed together. And I say, like, I have certain things in the bedroom that I like. Um, is that something you're comfortable with or comfortable exploring with me? So they know ahead of time. Like, I'm not springing something on them. But I can understand if you are in a long-term relationship and you're now exploring this part of yourself and it's starting to awaken, how your partner might be like, oh, shit, this is fucking weird. And your partner may have some pushback or some stigma. Um... And that's something I encourage the two of you to work together through. There are workshops online. There are people that you can go to. There are books that you can read. There's plenty of free things as well that you guys could do together, work on together, look at together. Um, that can help open up the doors again and destigmatize whatever you got going on in the brain. But you also might be pleasantly surprised. You know, your partner could be like, oh, shit, finally. <laughs> or like, yeah, I've been holding this back, but I really like this part of myself. And I've always wanted you to do this with me. And now we get to do it together. So um, don't be so quick to judge because you never know. People do keep their kinks and fetishes under wraps, even from their long-term partners, even from like husbands and wives. Like, um, you'd be surprised. So... Let yourself be surprised. Let yourself be surprised where you go and, and what can happen. Um, something else that I have seen with some of my clients that I have worked on with them is spotting a fake dom. Um, there are a lot of people who claim to be professional doms and they're not. And I believe that it's really important for you to have a good experience when it comes to your sex life and it comes to exploring kinks and fetishes. So not, again, just sex, but these other parts of you, this psychological headspace that kink and fetish can help you achieve. So usually if somebody has a, a life that's like a fucking mess and then they're only dominant in the bedroom, is they're not a real dom. Um, when somebody claims to be an expert but cannot back it up, there are classes that you can take. There are certifications that you can get. Um, in the BDSM lifestyle slash community, there are reputations that people have. And so when this person comes and says that they're an expert, if they can't back up how they're an expert, if they are ignoring the fact that you can right if they're not writing contracts if you, you right if there's like a lack of formality to the process and they're probably inexperienced and that's something you need to know it's not a problem if someone's inexperienced when they tell you because then you can choose to step into that space and grow together right it is a problem though when someone is coming across as better than they are you know like Someone says I have a PhD and they haven't even done their undergrad. This is an issue. Um, you got to put that time in. You got to put that time and education in to become the expert that you claim. 
Uh, I'm reading this off of the subliving, domsubliving.com, and there's a link in the bio for the, uh, not the bio, <laughs> there's a link in the show notes. Um, uses pet names that you do not consent to. Um, this is an issue as well. Again, as I previously mentioned, everything that goes on in this space needs to be discussed ahead of time. If it's not discussed ahead of time, the person doesn't know what the fuck they're doing and you need to run. These are red flags. But being polyamorous. Um, being polyamorous itself is not a problem, but you need to decide if that's the type of style that you want. Um, there are definitely non-monogamous relationships and they do require a lot of work. It's not something that most people... Um, do want to step into as far as the dom subspace goes if you do cool but it's like how much attention are they going to be able to give you again you need to have a discussion about that ahead of time um, because somebody who like there are people who use these like gross excuses of like I need many people in my life to fulfill me and blah 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 and I'm, I don't know I don't think that's cute I think if you're fulfilled as an individual and you want to share your love with other people, that's like completely different um, versus like I need people to fulfill my desires. Like it, there's just like a different vibe. Um, uh, okay, this is outside of FinDom, which is uh, financial doming, but they need money or gifts. So financial doming is something that you can do once you have established trust with the person. That's obviously the ethical type of financial domination. There's unethical financial domination, but that's a whole different thing. Anyway, somebody who's telling you that they need money and gifts right away is a fake dom. Do not do it because they're literally fucking scammers. Um, please don't be Tyndall swindled. Tyndler swindled. Like, don't, whatever. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Be smart. Um, just honestly, the sixth thing here on this list is lies, cheats, or has other bad dom traits yeah i mean if they're just like a plea they're a piece of shit personality they're gonna be a piece of shit dom you know what i mean like does this person have good ethics and morals you know do they are they are they kind are they compassionate this is what a lot of people don't get i think about the bdsm world and the world of kinks and fetishes it's people that are kind and compassionate and and caring and curious and all the things that we want in another person completely exist within this space and those things can even come out in the bedroom and it's so beautiful and in these really cool places that we create with each other for kinks and fetish Look at the qualities and characteristics that this person has as an individual. If they're what you want, then yeah, say yes to that. Explore that. If they're not, then no, run, right? Um, if they don't understand how to address the BDSM basics, this is another way to spot a fake person. Again, going back to they don't talk about safe words. They don't talk about limits. They don't talk about contracts. They have no training. Um, yeah, it's very important that it's safe and it's consensual. Um, the other thing is that they only focus on sex. Now, remember how I said that some people are asexual. And BDSM, this lifestyle, kinks and fetishes, it can also be played with outside of the bedroom. 
especially the BDSM relationship. It can be in your day-to-day life where you have um, the dom-sub, somebody's uh, connecting with a person and following up on them, making sure that limits, let's say you want to like not have as much sugar. Your dom, if you're the sub, could text you or message you and ask you how much did you have. These are your limits. Let me know everything you've eaten today. And it that's how the relationship can unfold. This is obviously just one scenario out of hundreds of thousands of ways to have a dom-sub relationship. But my point is, is that they only focus on sex. That's a huge red flag. Another red flag is that they don't have any aftercare. Huge red flag. Aftercare is so important. Aftercare is what you do after you go into a dom-sub space or you have, you set a scene, you go through with the scene what are you doing afterward? You know, just like walking away from each other is not, it doesn't leave anybody feeling good. Um, there's even research, research that shows our horm- our bonding hormones ha- can also peak and connect after sex through cuddling, drinking water together, taking a hot shower together. There's lots of really nice things that can happen. Um, but yeah, if the person is only interested in sex and there's little to no aftercare, they're a douche. Um, if they use intimidation, coercion, these are huge red flags. We would not want that in a person in general, and we certainly do not want that in the bedroom. Somebody who doesn't respect your limits is a huge red flag that they put, again, that they put this type of pressure on you, they threaten you, they try to punish you, um, they try to make you seem like you're not a, you're not really into the kink or fetish because if you did, then you would do it their way. A lot of that really disgusting type of manipulation unfortunately happens more often than you would think. So remember that real doms are going to get your permission. They are going to get your trust and respect. They're going to work for that. They have self-control. They care about your well-being. Okay, This is not just about making themselves happy. You have established safe words and limits. You know what they are. You communicate regularly, okay? Regularly. And there's a lot of responsibility that this person has to take um, because there can be dangerous things that happen in, in these spaces, and it's not something to be taken lightly. And so it's very important, again, that you understand your limits and what you can handle as well, so that way you can safely guide your dom should you be in a dom subspace. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about this episode. I know that I went over things a little bit more clinically, but I feel like it's important to get to the meat of this type of episode because, or I guess more like with this content, because it doesn't have anything to do with morals and ethics. It has to do with your mind, body, and soul connection. It really does. And who is willing to step into that space with you and connect with you and help you get even further into that mind, body, soul, space, flow state that is yours, that you can tap into and enjoy. And then you get to do that for another person too, or with another person. I think it's beautiful. Um, But yeah, you can absolutely have kinks and fetishes and be spiritual. If anything, I think it it helps you with your spirituality to get in touch with the deeper parts of you that yearn and that long and that maybe want to please 
and I kind of talked about this as far as like myself, but I like to be a please. I am a pleaser, but I also know that my pleasing can be better used in some spaces than others. And I love to please in the bedroom. I love to be a sacred slut. That's probably my favorite way of explaining <laughs> like how I can be sexually. Um, yeah, and it's great. It's really fun. Like, who doesn't want to be slutty for another? Well, I mean, some people don't want to be slutty, but I like to be slutty. <laughs> but it's only with, like, certain people. It's not going to be with everybody. It's not for anybody. It is for people that I deem worthy. Um, and I think that's a super cool thing. But what calls to you most in fetish? A couple of the links can get you started with, like, what is a fetish and what is a kink? Maybe you're into it. Maybe you're not into it. Maybe there are some things you think about and then you try and then you're like, no, that's not what I thought it was. And that's okay because some things are literally only reserved for our minds. We don't need to act on everything that we think about, right? And who knows? You might try something and realize like you do like it and you you want to keep going. Um, you know, and some kinks can be explored solo, some can be with another person. Um, again, you'll find that in the articles. I'm not going to go into all that because it's you know already written. Um, so I did do an IG poll. I only got one response from it, but that's okay, and I'm going to answer it. I was asking questions from the IG poll, like what do you want to know, like kinks and fetishes, if there's a question that I can answer. And the person who asked the question was an anal first-time starter kit, and I love this so much. So one of the things I'm going to recommend is for you to shop on the Horny Stoner. Just look at the kink and fetish toys for anal. Um, I feel that you really want to be able to loosen up the muscle, have your partner or you massage your booty. You want to massage your booty, you want to massage the booty hole. Like you want to literally relax relax it before doing anal. I do not recommend if you, cause this is the first time. Okay. I don't recommend trying to do anything like you see in porn. Do not because those, they're professionals. They're trained. You're not a trained professional. Okay. You're, you're a little baby. So we're going to start off with the baby steps. Uh, lube is great. Lube will be your best friend. If you want to numb it out, then I think there's a lube called anal ease, which like numbs it. I'm sure there's other, there's probably so many more out there now. Um, but yeah, finding a lube that might numb you could be beneficial. Also, you can just use regular lube, but I recommend lubing everything. You also want to lube inside your booty hole. Um, so you want to apply some of that up and in there for a little bit. Have your partner or you, you know, warm yourself up. Um, you can, by using fingers, you can use a butt plug. I also think wearing a butt plug the day before can be really helpful to just, again, keep your muscles relaxed, open and loose for, for that time. Um, I think the lying on your back is a great way to do anal sex for the first time. Again, like bending over a doggy style and having them just go in it can be um very a very intense experience so again and don't feel like you need to take it all that's the other thing first time anal don't feel like you need to take it all don't feel like you need like your partner or you need to be thrusting like this is all about the level of comfort that you feel and recognize you may have a little bit of discomfort but it doesn't mean 
that there's something wrong, you're doing something new, and it does tend to feel a little bit uncomfortable. Look, I know that this is, um, it can be a touchy subject as well, but you kind of want to push out as they're going in or as you're like inserting something. Um, Don't be afraid of shitting. Don't be afraid of shitting on the other person. I know you don't want that. Obviously, nobody wants that. Um, But pushing out as they're moving in can feel kind of funky um but it also releases a little bit of pressure um because then you're not like yeah you're not tight you're not like overthinking about it you're just pushing out they're going in and can make it a little bit more enjoyable on a personal note I find that vaginally coming is a great way to loosen up the muscles as well like just all of the muscles down there so I personally like to bust before I move into anal because then I also feel a lot of pleasure. Um, you can also figure out if you want to be sober or not. That's another thing. I don't think one thing is right or wrong. It's just your level of tolerance um, and, and, again, what you feel is good for you. But, yeah, I would look online at the lubes that you want to use. I would start with, like, butt plugs and beads and see how they feel. Um how thick you want it and then you could also ask your partner to start there with you by using toys first before using a penis um yeah and see like what what happens from there but I think lube relaxing your muscles are going to be your best bet again even like taking a warm shower and just getting all nice and toasty down there can be good um but yeah I do think the butt plug the day before is helpful. I know that's not like very sexy. Maybe you want anal to be a little like more like of an impulsive move. (laughs) I think for first timers, it's okay if it's not. You'll work up to it. Um, Yeah. Okay. I hope this helps. I love all of you. Thank you so much for being here. I, I really hope that you found this content useful and that you begin to explore your own definitions of kink and your desires and fetishes. And I really hope this helps you destigmatize what you want in the bedroom and with your partner and with yourself. Um, if anything, I hope this helps you get closer to your, to your spirituality, to your spirit, to your essence and expressing that and feeling safe in that. I love you and I'll talk to you soon.